management, financial portfolios, insurance, computers, black leather gloves, investors, possibly you. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. All right, Ian, last week we did a Q&A on relationships and lifestyle. This week we're going to do a Q&A on business. We got a lot of comments and emails last week, so I think uh, people were pumped about your uh, relationship talk. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, everyone except for my girlfriend. I made a couple thousand people happy. I made one person very upset. So, so no more relationship episodes then. <laughs> no more. Did you really make her unhappy? No. <laughs> she doesn't even listen. It's okay. This week, we're going to answer the listeners' business questions. Everything from productized services to offshore business to management, and to our own personal business outlooks, okay? But two quick news items. First off, we have that Barcelona event coming up in June. It's the 25th to the 27th. We announced it last week on the show, and already 30% of the tickets have been accounted for. So if you're sitting on the fence thinking about joining our network of experienced location independent entrepreneurs, if you want to meet with some amazing people in Barcelona, now's the time to get moving on that. And also, we continue to get pictures from listeners from all around the world listening to this show and we post those pictures at tropicalmba.com slash listeners. So post them in the comments or drop us an email and we love to post those up on our website. Quick note, Dan, a little hangover from last week talking about significant others. I know we get a lot of emails, people asking, can I bring my significant other to your events, Barcelona specifically? Yes, you can bring your significant other to our events. A lot of times at these events, we have parties because that's what we do. These are opportunities for your significant other to mingle with other significant others. So it is definitely a good idea to bring your significant other, have them lounging at the pool, drinking through your mini bar, all that good stuff. So yeah, bring them along. There's tons of opportunity for them. Rock on. Okay, so Ian, we got plenty of questions. What do you say we jump right into them? Oh, yeah. All right, Dan, our first question comes from Brad West. He says, I really like the question posed to Tim Ferriss on his podcast recently. If you were to wake up in the morning in the body of a 21-year-old woman, had no connections, no blog, no social media following, and only $35 in your pocket, what would you do? All right. So I think this is the starting from scratch with no resources question. First off, I wouldn't worry about that social media following. I'm not sure how that's going to benefit you if you got nothing else going on. I think there's two things that are really undervalued, and that's ambition and work ethic. So really, at the end of the day, if you're going to be digging ditches and you want to be the best ditch digger there is, the person who's paying you to dig ditches is probably going to swing by at some point and be like, hey, I think there's something more that we could have you be doing here. That's about creating opportunities for yourself. That's just a general ethic to look at yourself and ask yourself whether you got that drive. I listened to Dan Sullivan recently say, you're either a batteries included person or a batteries not included person. So, you know, really, I mean, if you're going to want to get started down the entrepreneurial path, you need to be batteries included. The second thing is, is you got to know what you want, 
right? Because if you don't know what you want, if you're not willing to write your own script, then other people are going to write it for you. And that's generally what it looks like to be an employee for life. So you got to take the time to sit down and write down exactly what you want, even if it's ridiculous. Trust me, it'll sound ridiculous at first. When I first wrote down, I want to own a laptop and work from anywhere, it sounded ridiculous to me. I didn't know how I was going to do it. That was honestly on your dream line when we sat and did that at San Diego at the Bay. That was what was on our first dream line. I think you had like a nice cell phone and a laptop. Like that's all you wanted. And you're, you're basically 21. So that is what you want when you're 21. So it made a lot of sense. When I wrote that down, I had a respectable job. Like when I would go to a party and someone that was my age group would ask me what I did, I would get a nod that was like, yeah, like that's good job, man. You're doing great. And so the point is, is that I wasn't digging ditches at that point. I had, of course, done the ditch digging earlier in life, but I was somewhere. But I had to take a step back and say, you know what? This somewhere isn't where I want to be in the future. It's not leading down the right path. So I just take a step back and write down something that felt ridiculous, which is that something even that I couldn't share with everybody in my life, which is I want to work from anywhere. I mean, especially in 2007, what does that mean? I mean, there's no clear answer, obviously. There's no business you can start right away if you don't have any experience or anything. You got to get the process down first, right? It's not like an idea is going to come along and it's going to be boom. It's got to be how you do things. And if you aren't willing to be the best dish digger, the best this and then the best that, then and you don't have the ambition to be that, maybe that's where I'd start. It's trying to figure out something that's going to inspire that in you. Next question, and this comes in the category of productized services, Devraj from Mumbai, India. How cool is that, that we have listeners in Mumbai, India? What are some of the WP Curve style services? He's talking about productized services you would start if you're in India. I currently have no marketable skills except for a bit of UX design. Okay, for those of you that don't know, WP Curve is uh, Dan Norris' company. And basically, Dan Norris used to work for agency. He learned all about what is wrong with agency. And then he started this company called WP Curve. And I don't know what their rates are right now, but basically you pay $80 a month to have anything done on your WordPress site within reason. Is that about right, Dan? Yeah, like small tasks, the things that we used to hire a full-time person or an agency just to tweak your blog a couple times a month. You don't need that. So he came in there and said, look, agencies are weak at this. And if I focus directly on that problem that the bigger people aren't solving, I can scale that service across a broader customer range. So Devraj, I think that when I think about this stuff, it's not about the exact idea necessarily, although we have done like three episodes full of ideas, so you can check back to those. I think it's about the sort of way that these ideas come about. Generally, the best productized services come from people who understand an industry well enough to know the weaknesses of the service providers in that industry. So I think the process of discovering that has to be like, you got to jump into an industry somehow. I mean, you got to start hanging around people who pay for services, whether it's lawyers, whether it's online marketers, whether it's accountants, travel agents, you name it. I mean, they're all hiring consultants. They're all hiring services. And there's things that those consultants and services do poorly. And that's the fertile growing ground of a productized service. Yeah, you're not starting from ground zero. You do have marketable skills. A little bit of UX design is a lot better than a little bit of nothing. So, Alex from Lima, Peru. In regards to an SEO productized service, Ian, is it better to immediately pitch prospective clients on a high-paying, high-value monthly plan? So let's say anywhere from 1000 to $10,000 a month. Or is it better to get them in the door quickly with something small, 
let's say, for example, $150 monthly audit and take your chance to prove value, over deliver, and then upsell into the bigger retention program. What say you? Wow, this is a worldwide podcast. I like it, Dan. First question, Mumbai. Second question, Peru. I think, Alex, the real question here is confidence. You're talking about two different approaches. I think it comes down to confidence. If you can walk into a client's office and charge them somewhere between three dollars and $10,000 a month, that's a special skill. That's a sales skill. And that's something that you should be proud of. And if you have that in your pocket, if you're able to do it, you're able to retain those kind of clients. And that's a long-term sustainable thing for you. Absolutely. Waltz in those offices and charge them 10 grand. It's purely a confidence thing for me, I think, Dan. What do you say? All right. Ian says confidence. I'll say cash because I want to sell $150 audits all day long. I don't want to have any clients. However, it depends if I need the cash or not, right? Here's the thing. If you can't go sell somebody on a $1,000, $2,000 a month retainer program, which is basically like selling people on a job, so if you can't get a job, you got bigger problems than your SEO auditing service. So if you got that in your back pocket, you feel like you can go sell retention programs. If you feel like you got enough cash, say six months, three months, something that you want to go and experiment with products. If you know you have that risk tolerance, like, hey, I could do my audit thing. And if I come up dry after three months, I'm still good to go because I can go into that office. I do have that confidence. Then, yeah, Alex, you know, I look at the big picture all day long. I want to be selling products to people not consulting. It's a really important point. And that's a distinction that we made early on in our product business. So we kind of had the option, Dan, and a lot of product designers, I, you know, I got a degree in product design. A lot of product designers come out, all they do is client work. They work for LG and it's like kind of this piecemeal stuff. And then they go work for some other electronics company. And you end up with a bunch of clients a lot of times. And we made the distinction early in our business. We want to have customers. seems like customers talk back a lot less. Do you notice that, Dan? Absolutely. And, you know, we have a whole series of episodes about this, Alex. So if you want to do a deep dive, do a search on Tropical MBA for a thousand true fans, a hundred true customers, and 10 true clients. We've got some legal questions. Matthew from Kentucky, USA. I like Kentucky. It's a fun place. Let's say I'm following your advice and setting up a service business. Should I run an LLC, incorporate and do an S Corp, or just DBA under my name? A lot of questions that we don't know the answers to here. I just want to start off by saying this. Dan, we have made a massive, massive mistake. Don't make this mistake. We incorporated in California. It's a very high tax jurisdiction. Not only did we incorporate in California, we stayed incorporated in California. So there becomes a point in your business, if you're making zero to 100K a year, I don't think that you should necessarily worry about this question. It's kind of small potatoes, Matthew, but let's just assume that you're not small potatoes. Let's assume that you're something bigger than that. If you're something bigger than that, you really have to take this stuff seriously. We didn't take it seriously, and we continue to ignore the problem as we got bigger and it just turned into a bigger problem. So there's much lower tax jurisdictions throughout the United States, throughout the world where you should be considering if you're building a big time business. We didn't do it and now it's costing us thousands and thousands of dollars a year. And Matthew, if you're just getting started, I think it's a bit premature optimization. My window for thinking about this question and for taking it to tax professionals would be about when I make, you know, like 25 grand a year, 30 grand. It looks like it's going to be something and you know what it's going to be. Right now, I would just do business under your name and get that cash flow going. A similar question, Ian, from Ian Robertson, currently in Puerto Rico. Hypothetical. Let's say you have a USA corporation. 
I know you guys have a Hong Kong corporation. Knowing what you know, would you then dissolve the USA corporation and move it to Hong Kong? Why or why not? I think I could take a stab at this one. If you don't have a reason to be in a high-taxed jurisdiction, and those reasons could be many things. It could be patriotism. It could be employee relations, client relations, any number of reasons you might have. If you don't have them, and you can run your business without any significant problems in a place like Hong Kong, a low-tax jurisdiction, absolutely. I would move it or I would start there in the first place. And again, these things start at around like 100000 in income a year, I think. Some of the biggest costs in these are administrative costs and the energy that it requires for you to pull together the team to manage all this stuff. That said, all things being equal, if you can set up in a high tax or a low tax, I choose low tax. And there's extra benefits to being in a place like Hong Kong. You don't have to pay quarterly corporate taxes. Just like Apple Computer, you too, the small internet entrepreneur, given some caveats, make sure that you know there's a lot of caveats that we're not going to go over in detail on this show today. But if you're running a legitimate company out of Hong Kong that's operating out of Hong Kong, you can retain your profits in Hong Kong and you can choose when you want to be taxed, when your tax events are. Whereas in many high tax jurisdictions, in particular in California, for example, you're paying taxes quarterly. That bill is coming before the profits are made. You know, to me, there's a no-brainer between the two. Next question comes from our buddy, Joe Magnati of Empire Flippers. Seriously, though, I'm doing 10 phone calls a day at the top of our marketing funnel, i.e. people who know little about EF, that is Empire Flippers, trying to push sales to the next level. What is your insight on scaling businesses that require relationships to close a deal? Am I destined to end up on the phone forever? Dan, what say you? Sweet irony, because I love to have steak dinners with Joe, and he is talking about the steak dinner problem here. And every entrepreneur has been there, right? You know, you're on the phone with the people that are going to have a direct impact on your business, and that's hollow to the hustle. But there's a couple things that you can do. First off, I think you can evolve the long-term asset value of those conversations. You can do that by turning them from customers and soft leads into partners, employees, and people that are building educational or marketing content for your brand. And good news for Joe, he has a great podcast, so he can be interviewing people. Now, is Joe going to make less money over the next three to six months if he spends all his time on the phone with employees, partners, and podcast guests? Maybe. That's really important here, Dan, when you say that, because at some point in our business, we made that decision too. So, you know, I could have been going to all these trade shows and I could have been talking to all these high value clients and customers, right? But at some point, we just decided, hey, we don't want to be in the day-to-day operations of our company. So we're going to take a step back. We're going to train these guys. The best that they can do is the best that we're going to do, you know? Could our company be more millions per year? Potentially. Would it have meant that I would have had to have been on the phone and my quality of life would have been less? Probably. So we've had conversations about this, but this is one of these questions. It's like, you know, where's the company going? Where do you see yourself going? If you don't want to be on the phone anymore, don't be on the phone anymore. Hire somebody to do it. Will your business suffer potentially? Is it worth it? That's a personal question. Are these long-term plays going to play out or not? And we never know that. You know, we've all made those sacrifices at some point in our business. This is just that next level. And the Empire Flippers in particular, they're buying and selling businesses. So you've got something that is really sensitive. I mean, we're not just selling them a portable bar here. We're talking about maybe a half a million dollar business. So how could you design a business in which that type of thing works? Well, one of the things you could do is you could bring on partners. 
And you find a way to get them involved in some kind of profit sharing such that when they're on the phone with your audience, they're partners in the Empire Flippers. Now, that doesn't mean that they have to have equity in your business. But if that's what's going to take to scale this business and have a different type of steak dinner, so me and you can have steak dinners instead of we're doing steak dinners on the phone with our, our soft leads all day long, you know, maybe that's one thing you guys could do. Yeah, because you're definitely a hard lead, Dan. I'd say that for sure. <laughs> We got an email from Tuck Tran who said, I love your guys' podcast. I'd love for you to discuss the issue of age. In the startup world, Tuck points out that there are twice as many founders older than 50 than there are younger than 25. So in other words, the average age of startup founders is much higher than the media would have you believe. So what about in the location independent space? Are there market opportunities in this? So I got a couple of things I want to say about this. First things first, it doesn't surprise me at all that the average age of startup founders is older than we would have suspected. The startup ecosystem and script is decades old. So the people that grew up with that, they weren't me and you, Ian. Like these were people in their 40s and 50s that grew up with the startup script. Most of the business owners that I meet are older people. I mean, it's just like what you read on Hacker News and the next web is just like such a small sliver of what's actually going on. Absolutely. And, you know, the first business that I ever really resonated with was 37 Signals, which I, I think is a quintessential lifestyle business. That's what resonated with my generational. Maybe I have that generation Y thing in me, even though I'm a little bit old. You know, I want a little bit more than what I saw the previous generations go through now. Everybody wants that, okay? But maybe people that are a few generations above us weren't exposed to this idea of location, independent business, lifestyle, business as much, or the opportunities that exist. But I've seen people leverage this. So our friends David and Carrie McKeegan from Greenback Tax Services regularly hire accountants, some with decades of experience for much less than market rate. Because I think the concepts of having a good lifestyle is universal. And maybe working for a big five accounting firm and living in a big five expensive city isn't as cool as we made it up to be. And maybe you know what's really cool? Is going home to your hometown and hanging out with your family and taking the afternoon off to go to the park or go to the gym. If you can offer that to people, you're going to have incredible competitive advantage with the 25-year-olds that, you know, whether you want to do it with an apprentice or that you want to do it with an experienced professional or even just somebody looking to make a career change. So I think these values are universal. It's a matter of putting the offer in front of these people where they can see it. So, Tuck, I think the key here is figuring out what these people want. I think that you're right to say it makes a lot of sense to hire people with this kind of experience. You know, these people have decades in the workforce. So it's figuring out what you can offer them and what they want. And I think what Dan is saying is probably true. What they want maybe in later stages of their career is not to make, you know, the highest salary at the company, but to focus on doing good work, to focus on working with people that they like accomplishing good things and being able to live the kind of life that they want to live. And so figure out what these people want. It's the same thing with all your employees, right? It's like some people are there for the money. Some people are there for the experience. I think what you're doing is you're talking about finding an older demographic that's more experienced. So figure out a way to find them and then figure out how to incentivize them the same way you would any other employee. I think part of it, Ian, is maybe just convincing these people that these opportunities exist. I mean, we've all been in conversations as location-independent entrepreneurs that you're putting your game face on and trying to describe what you do, and there's just a lot of disbelief. Like, it's almost like you've stumbled onto a magical shamrock or something. You know, me and you, we sit here and we talk about how cool it's going to be to, like, go to Barcelona this summer and, like, live the life that we're living at 30-something, you know? I'd like to hear the perspective of somebody that's 50, you know? And we hear that sometimes, and some of these people, they want to travel, and they want to live this location-independent lifestyle, but I bet they've got a 
lot of other cool ideas of things that they want to do that we can't even think of. Absolutely. All right. So final question, Ian, from long-term listener Joe Hughes in New Jersey. You're involved in a lot of different things. In five years from now, you can give the keynote for one industry, one topic. What stage do you see yourself on? Great question, Joe. And this is one that really scares me. Well, I think the first part of your question is the first part of my answer here, which is you're involved in a lot of different things. So first of all, in five years, I would like to not be so involved in so many things. I don't know about you, Dan, but this attention split sometimes is killer for me. For me, five years from now, I'd like to be laser focused on one thing. And I think another thing that hopefully we can agree on, Dan, is five years from now, we would like to be behind these mics in some kind of capacity. What do you think? So I won't make a prediction on an industry. It doesn't matter to me, Ian, if we're sitting in leathers with a headset on talking about the race that weekend or whether we have a comedy show, if we can improve some of our comedy chops or whether we're talking about lifestyle business. I think we've got a lot more to say about these things and a lot more to see about the way this world evolves. But, you know, five years ago when I sat down, Joe, to do the onstage test, like why did Ian and I continue to produce this show even though it took away from our business? You know, Ian took a lot of time, at least half a day to record the show. And then I edited the thing when I should have been driving customers to our valet parking equipment or to our cat furniture. But instead, we believed that five years from now, you know, we wanted to have a voice. We wanted to be a part of this medium that was so powerful to us when we were younger. And I still feel that now, Ian. I still feel like that's a good bet for me. You know, I've been interested in audio content since I was a kid. Am I going to be interested in it when I'm 55? I think so. I think that's an accurate bet. So we'll see if the VR takes over. I'm not sure. (laughs) All right, Ian. Speaking of radio, we got a segment and you're in charge. It's called Rap and Reviews. What do you got for us this week? Well, Dan, I know we play a lot of him, but honestly, like today in the rap game, there is really nobody else that you should be paying attention to. This is Action Bronson, and Action, if you're listening, you probably are. I just want to say, major album debut, not so great. You put out like seven awesome mixtapes, and then you drop this thing. No more Harry Fraud. You got no more Party Supplies. I mean, they're on like one or two tracks. This, This is just absolute garbage, but I had to pick the best track. It's called Easy Rider. I love you, man, but get your game back up. Did you ever hear Hannibal Burris's bit about comedians going niche and capitalizing on the obvious opportunities to be the comedian about food or the comedian about this? Yeah. It's like, I wonder, we've been talking about Hennessy for 15 years now. How come nobody saw the food angle? You know what I mean? <laughs> this is the first guy to see it. This is inspiration for entrepreneurs everywhere. The opportunities are right in front of your nose. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a genius like Action Bronson to show you how you can sing about drizzled olive oil and how that can make sense in the rap game. He's amazing, man. He's amazing. from the UK gives us five stars just awesome love the show together with startups for the rest of us it helped me to make a mindset shift from the VC type tech startup dream to a real business that makes that money really enjoyed the last episode and your response to the startup podcast thanks Klaus where's the beer donation button yeah good question by the way Dan favorite beer right now where are you at on that you know I don't have a lot of options living here in Asia (laughs) oh yeah That's true. You're basically going to Chili's and asking what's on tap. Sorry about that. Let me answer it for you. Dale's Pale Ale. I can't get enough of that stuff. I think it's brewed in Colorado. Where's the beer donation button? It's at my house. Come on over. Road Warrior listener. 
guys. Of course, I don't have to tell you how much the show rocks, but I will anyways. Love to hear the practical, inspiring, and motivational talks every week, even the episode when Ian's too busy being the boss man to make it on the show. Keep hustling. Craig, I don't like it that you listen to shows that I'm not on, but I, I do like it that you're a fan of the podcast. Thank Joe you. from Chiang Mai says, awesome and five stars. I just discovered these guys a couple of months ago, and I get stoked every episode. They keep it packed with nugs. Perfect for a listen during breakfast and coffee. So Corey Ames from Spokane, Washington writes, hey, Dan, I just want to say that you and Ian and all the awesome content you guys bring out is inspiring. It inspired me all the way to my parents' house. I'm a junior at University in Washington State, and my mom and dad's place looked like the lowest overhead situation for me. It's what it's all about. It's about sacrificing the cool and the party now so the cool and the party can get better in the future. I'm taking the plunge here as the spring semester gets rolling. I am sacrificing my social life to take my business from 100 plus a month to the thousands plus a month by finals week. Keep making me want to be unrealistic and avoid mediocrity. Have a good one. Shout to Ian, too. Thanks, guys. I just want to say two things here, Dan. First thing, when we're talking about college, I tweeted out an article today. I don't know if you saw it. NYU University, 70 grand a year. I mean, is that real? Is this really going to continue happening? Are people really going to continue to pay these kind of prices? If they are, I'm going to get into the university business. Could be. What's up next? So if you're interested in hearing about more NYU tweets, I'm at AnythingIan on the Twitters, and Dan is at TropicalMBA. You know, that's what we do here, and I think we're creating a world full of bartenders and young entrepreneurs sleeping on their parents' couches. I like it. Hopefully older entrepreneurs too, like we talked about today. The guys that have already been in the game, maybe coming out of the woodwork, check us out. All right. So all the questions and comments, if you got further questions, check us out at tropicalmba.com slash biz questions. And we'll, of course, be back next week, Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.